0: You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash Thank you for your practice, and enjoy the talk. Good morning. Good morning. 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 Thank you, Colin, for asking me to give this talk on my travel to Japan, and thank all of you for being here to give me the courage to follow through on the invitation I um, when I was preparing for my talk this morning <laughs> I uh, discovered on the page in front of where I wrote my talk given last year just 20 days and a year ago on 10 years of practice my way seeking mind talk it was interesting um, to reflect on that and to see, see the kind of chart <laughs> and to see somehow um, the way I represented it as a, as a circle, as an end suit, closing on itself. Um, kind of marking my 60th year on this planet, my tenth year of this practice uh, here in San Antonio with the San Antonio Zen Center, uh, with a and then ultimately uh, my goal at the time and my my hope was a, a trip to Japan to do um, two things primarily. Um, to uh, it was a trip it was a gratitude trip. Um, I first visited Japan over thirty five years ago and uh, last visited it 23 years ago um, with my, at the time, three-year-old son, who was born in Tokyo, um, while I lived there one of four years that I spent in total. Uh, So this gratitude trip was to visit um, so many people, places and things that had... Marked my life and changed my life. And the other goal was um, because in, in all of that time I had never, a single time, uh, sat or uh, practiced Zen, um, even though I had spent time in temples, uh, in a Zen temple, a couple of times. I never uh, practiced, never sat with anyone, nor did I um, ever witness anyone sitting. So I wanted to, uh, uh, to somehow also uh, mark the trip um, and, and the fact that on my 50th birthday I attended my first uh, uh, session of Rev Anderson's at the Austin Zen Center with Gerald and, and others here from San Antonio Zen Center. Um, Rick, um, and, and to, to try and spend uh, some time at uh, a temple that my teacher told me about, um, and I'll talk about that later. But uh, there was another um, undercurrent to this talk, and, um, and I wanted to start with it. Um, and then in, in kind of looking at the undercurrent, which was an intention, uh, when Colin asked me, uh, I think about seven or eight months ago, to give a, another talk here uh, that I never actually gave to kind of um, roll that talk into this talk. And my, uh, my intention at the time was to give that talk on um, the morning chant, the robe chant. And I so I wanted to start with that. I don't think uh, a lot of you have perhaps um, been to the morning sit we have morning sits on Monday and Thursday that begin at 6 a.m. And, um, and not only here, of course, um, but at uh, temples around the world. Um, uh, one comes to that morning sit, and if one has sown, but uh, in um, the book I'll be referencing, uh, Okamura calls uh, okesa, uh, but we call rakusu. Uh, You bring that rakasu, and so I'm going to take it off here for a moment. Let us see if I can even remember how to do it now that I'm doing it publicly. Um, And I'm already doing it wrong. (laughs) But I'm going to take it off uh, so that I can um, attempt to show you what it's like. It's a a very meaningful ceremony um, that one um, awakens to in the temple, as I also did when I visited Japan. So I'm going to put it in here. And um, and then I'm going to uh, chant it. Um, but I wanted to chant it uh, the way I chanted it uh, with 20 other monks and lay practitioners uh, at Toshoji Temple um, the morning after I arrived. As I did not know, and no one knew, uh, because all things are ephemeral, um, after that first day, that first morning, um, we entered a five-day silent retreat. So I never heard another word uh, or another chant um, after that first morning. Um, So if anyone, knows the chant in Japanese, you're welcome to chant it with me or you can just uh, listen. Because I think the chant is actually in the chant card. Yes. Yes. But I'll be doing it only in Japanese and, and in a slightly different version.
1: days I, I... Joe
0: So, um, what we do here is chant in English before and after. And uh, the English chant, uh, the translation of uh, what I just said was,
1: Great robe of liberation, Healed far beyond form and emptiness, wearing the Tathagata's teaching, saving all beings.
0: It's really an extraordinary chant. It isn't. So from um, Shohaka, Shohaku Okumura's *Living by Vow*, Dogen Zenji went to Japan, went to China, and began to practice at Cheong Tong monastery in 1223. He found that in the Soto, the monks' hall, the monks rested their folded okesa's the formal term for the kesa, or monk's robe, atop their heads, as you saw me, with veneration, and chanted this verse after early morning zazen each day. He had read of this practice in the Agama Sutra, but had never seen it. So this had never been practiced in Japan until Dogen brought it back. When he experienced the traditional chanting of this verse, 605 years before me and um, me chanting it to you and saw the monks put on their okesas he was deeply impressed Dogen Zenji wrote about this experience in the chapter Shobo Genzo the virtue of the kesa the following at that time I felt that I had never before Seeing such a gracious thing, my body was filled with delight, and tears of joy silently fell and moistened the lapel of my robe. The young Dogen vowed to transmit this practice to Japan. As a result, for the last 800 years, my math was off. In Dogen Zenji's lineage, which we are a part of, we have chanted this verse every morning after Zarthen, or before, <laughs> when we put on our okesas or raksus. So, as I said, Uh, went with I went to Japan with the intention of um, yeah. gratitude, um, but also um, with the intention of deepening my practice. And um, I was able to uh, get permission um, to visit uh, Toshoshi to Shuritsu Senmon Sodo. This is the first English. Uh, what do you want to call it? Actually, it says somewhere? This is the first English uh, version of the Soto Zen Buddhist monastery life that uh, Toshioji has published, and it was published for the spring two thousand seventeen. This is issue one. Um, so it again speaks to this uh, this idea that. That this practice is very deep, it's very old, but it's constantly changing. It changes for us, changes for all beings. Uh, Esho, who uh, welcomed me, who I wrote um, um, and made negotiations with in order to be allowed to stay um, at Toshoji for uh, only one week, which was quite unusual. It was right in the middle of what's known as Ango. Ango um, is practiced, of course, at Tassahara, but it's a three-month intensive, um, kind of immersive um, practice period. And so um, after about two months, um, I um, walked through uh, the gate and into this Ango, and into Toshoji, and into this uh, practice that I had never experienced, even though I had lived in Japan for four years. Um, this particular uh, temple, Toshoji, um, I had been told about by my uh, teacher, the abbess of Houston Zen Center, Galen Godwin, um, who had met uh, Docho Oroshi at a, a Soto. Um, International SOTO meeting uh, in Seattle two years ago and she mentioned to me that it might be uh, a place that I could um, realize um, this intention to deepen my practice so uh, because in some cases I think they uh, it says here better than I can Um Asho wrote, wrote in this first um, initial English version To enter the temple gate is to become a Buddha. Toshōji Shuritsu Senmon Sodo abbot and Shketsedo Roshi, or Docho Roshi as he's known, will often say when asked to describe the purpose of living Senmon Sodo, which is, again, training monastery life, it is a moment-by-moment encounter with ourselves and one another as perfect and complete, all part of the larger body that is this temple, this practice, this life. So do you, blue dragon, is taken from the name of the Sodo. The Sodo again is the, is the meditation hall. At Toshioji. Um, for every sit, uh, twice, um, this, incredible blue diaphanous kind of gauze is uh, slowly and painstakingly, especially um, when uh, you've been sitting for 50 minutes and your legs, as mine were, were absolutely on fire, to hear this gate, this this blue uh, diaphanous gate, slowly rolled up as uh, the lay practitioners like myself, there were four of us um, along with the, uh you know, sitting right behind me. Um, it was extraordinary. We sat outside in the kind of Engawa, uh, the, um, the outdoor, kind of indoor-outdoor walkway uh, on a uh, raised uh, uh, stand uh, on a tatami. And, with a much smaller um, uh, zaptong and, and a much uh, smaller, <laughs> thinner uh, zafu. Um, so this is what uh, she's describing. The Soto, or Blue Dragon, is taken from the name of the Soto, the meditation hall at Toshoji, the cave in which we embody the original forms of Zen Buddhist monastic life as brought to Japan from China by Dogen Zenji almost a thousand years ago. Here we sit, eat, sleep, and experience what it means to be living, not just in harmony with one another, but as one another. So I walked through that gate, and I heard uh, it was uh, about a 45-minute hike from the train station, Um, and, uh, I was carrying a pretty big pack and, um, I fell on my way there. So I had just had, uh, two extraordinary weeks, um, meeting my friends and the gratitude part of the trip. Had uh, been absolutely astounding. Uh, three of my friends had died uh, in the interim, so I came two years too late. But um, I think the the most interesting thing for me to try to get at in this talk between the people of Japan, the country. of Japan in this practice, uh, Sazen sitting, mm-hmm. is that even though um, none of my friends and no one um, that I ever knew uh, in the four years that I lived there had sat before, um, that they're steeped in this practice over the thousand years um, that it has uh, permeated the consciousness, mind, body, of these people. So... (laughs) So what... um, What I had anticipated, going from that experience, sharing stories, sharing stories of um, my son, my life, in the 23 years since I had seen most of these people, and what had brought me back, um, to ultimately end up at this temple, and Attempt to practice for five days. Uh,
1: we're sometimes
0: um, not at odds with each other, but there was a curiosity certainly from my friends about why um, and how uh, I had ended up um, taking my precepts, being given a dharma name, Jyotai Etsudo. Great forgiveness, joyful way. Um, they they didn't know that part of me. Uh, they knew the the kind of um, stumbling elephant in the china shop, kind of um, naive, um, but very enthusiastic <laughs> young young man who I was when I went there. a uh, speed freak, staying up all night, working, partying, punk rocker. But someone who uh, knew there was something I was missing and something that I hadn't found. And one by one, these people that I had been introduced to in Tokyo, in Kyoto, in Kyushu, uh, took me under their wings and um, uh, showed me their lives and shared with me their spirit and their traditions so I, uh, I had this great time I um, took this um, amazing walk in the rain uh, I was looking forward to all this time and all these years over two years that I'd anticipated it I get out of the train station I figure out the way to walk I cross the first street the highway Uh, next to a gas station and uh, as I step up on the curb to cross a bridge into the fog uh, my foot slips on the metal grate that's pervasive there always uh, water is running and I fell backwards. Fortunately I had a backpack that also could be my suitcase and it cushioned the fall but uh, it was a tumble. Three cars stopped and helped me up. I had no idea. I was just afraid that here I had reached the gate, the kind of first gate, the gate still outside the town. This is, in, um, this is near uh, Okayama, uh, Japan, not too far from Hiroshima, in the mountains. Uh, I, uh, so I, I thought that was it. I wasn't even going to make it to the temple, and who knows what. But I was able to stand up, they helped me, I was able to walk and I proceeded. And so the 30, 45 minute walk took me about an hour and a half because I was um, hobbled a bit and worried, but uh, in awe of the beauty that I was encountering. So I don't know how much of that carried uh, with me. Um, Bruises, I couldn't tell anyone. Um, I made it and uh, I entered the gate and um, it was absolutely um, extraordinary. Um, it was; it's uh, they just celebrated this past year their six hundredth year of existence. I thought it was also auspicious since this was my sixtieth birthday, and so I was there because I was supposed to be there. So, in the middle of this on-go, um, Uh, And in the middle of the courtyard, wondering which way I should go next, I heard a voice. And um, it was a very familiar voice. And I thought, there's there's no way. And she was speaking English. And uh, I saw her. She was giving instruction to um, one of the lay practitioners on how to clean the women's bathroom. So it was, it was a, uh, a traveling monk that we had met here at San Antonio Zen Center that had come and stayed with us for a week when John Grimes, who was our visiting teacher at the time, uh, took a trip. Her name was Kathy Early. And I had absolutely no anticipation or knowledge, and she, of course, didn't either, that uh, she would be there or that I would be there. So, um, she saw me standing and not knowing which way to go right in the middle of this courtyard, um, bruised, but not bloodied and, um, so happy to be there, but clueless, absolutely clueless on what was about to happen and what to do. So she, she walked out. She couldn't believe it. She remembered me. Uh, because while she was staying with us and had taken a walk along, uh, well, it used to be over there, the creek, uh, she had been attacked by a dog and and she had suffered a really bad deep bite. And I'd helped taking her, taken her to the uh, emergency center and stayed with her all night while it was patched up. So we had bonded considerably. And uh, she left, I think, a day after that. And I'd never seen her and talked to her again. So she remembered me well, and San Antonio Zen Center well, and there were wonderful things that transpired in addition to the dog bite. But in any event, um, to move this story along, uh, she showed me around briefly, um, but um, because we were in the middle of this ongo, and because uh, within uh, eighteen hours of my entry there, after that morning sit and the morning chant. I didn't hear uh, a word from anyone, nor was I able to ask any questions, get any information. Um, we sat uh, uh, constantly. There were just a couple of things I wanted to read here. The ongoing schedule included morning and evening zazen services, orioki meals. So these, if you've never heard of that, they're meals with bowls, uh, your assigned bowls. I didn't come with my own. No one told me I should. I was given bowls, and uh, uh, but... I was, since I was number 21, there were 17 uh, practicing monks, in addition to Dolce Roshi. And they were from France, Germany, Peru, uh, Portugal. Um, The leader of the uh, five-day session was from um, Czechoslovakia, which is where my ancestors are from. And these were, um, with the exception of Kathy, uh, big men like Rick, with shaved heads like Rick, who moved very fast in ways that I'd never experienced then. Um, I felt old, I felt um, completely unprepared um, and naive. Um, Every moment was beautiful and every moment was terrifying. There's a show right now called Heaven and Hell at the San Antonio Museum of Art I experienced that every moment of every day of the five days I was there. Ango at Toshoji was in good measure a situation of living close to the ground. We spent quite a bit of time either outside weeding or inside washing floors or doing other work while sitting on tatami, either in seiza or cross-legged. My bed was a futon on a tatami floor. Living in this way challenged me physically. It took more effort to get up and down from the floor than from chair height. It also led to a feeling of living from my center of gravity. The thinking mind could not dominate so much. Accommodations were always made for anyone with physical limitations. Except I couldn't because I couldn't ask anyone. I, uh, I have always been able to do this. I was blessed from the moment I discovered this practice um, almost 11 years ago that when I sat the first time in Half Lotus, um, rarely have I ever experienced any pain. I'm uh, lucky and I love it. So um, after about 15 minutes of that first morning, um, I started to suffer immensely um, in this leg and in this thigh, which was the bruised thigh from the fall. Um, and um, as if that wasn't enough during the regular schedule, uh, we sat nine times a day for fifty minutes every time. So that's 450 minutes. That's almost eight hours a day sitting. And for periods that were twice the length of what we typically sit here, roughly twice the length, 50 minutes. And I thought, I could do it. And I was absolutely... um, I was in terror. I didn't want to move. I don't ever move. I take pride in that. I fall asleep sometimes. Um, So... uh, so this is what I had to endure for five days, and uh, it humbled me to my very core. When I, um, when I read uh, just the two things that I want to leave with, um, when I reread um, Living by Val, in the section on the road chant, there were two things I think that were important for me. Um To leave you with, as you kind of imagine my pain, um, one was that uh, when I was traveling with my friend uh, for the first two weeks, um, he commented uh, on how when you 're traveling by Shinkansen or by train by bullet train or by train um, there's this still pervasive sense, even though we're in one of the most urban um, countries in, in the, on the planet, that the rice fields are still there everywhere. These small rice fields are still pervasive in the landscape. They're pervasive in the small towns. They're still pervasive in Tokyo and Kyoto. Wherever there's an empty lot, there still is a rice paddy. They're always small, never large. And um, one of the beautiful things about the robe chant, once you kind of get through the first line, how great the robe of liberation, this robe of of nothingness, uh, you get into this uh, the second part, which I've always loved Mu so fuku den a. E. So Muso is formlessness, emptiness. Fuku is happiness, and den. Is rice paddy uh, it's translated as virtuous field or uh, so this formlessness virtual field which we then uh, have translated as uh, field beyond form and emptiness this field is the field of the rice paddy form and emptiness is um, this formlessness of muso um, And somehow in that happiness is uh, overlooked, but this happiness of the rice field. And that it's always been there. Mm, The big, huge part of Asia that it's a, that rice is a a part of and that the harvest is a part of. So this, this sense that uh, way before cities, and we're both architects, so way before cities, you can still feel the presence of, of this kind of field, this endless field, this rice paddy, this change, this harvest season, um, and the fact that it's small. So one day the Buddha walking in the countryside with his attendant, Ananda, noticed the beautiful patterns of rice paddies newly planted with green seedlings and surrounded by footpaths. They are especially beautiful in the rainy season when the rice is new. So this was just before when I was there. The Buddha remarked to Ananda, they are so beautiful. Could you make a robe like this? Ananda agreed. The Buddha conceived the pattern and Ananda created the design. Since then, Buddhists have worn the Okesa, the Rakusu, in all traditions and in all countries. So, this presence of emptiness, this presence of... this enduring presence of these rice paddies, and this understanding that those are the that that's the pattern on which um, uh, our practice and this robe, for this robe chant is based, I think was uh, is the kind of um, was the discovery for me that I had to experience um, the ending of it. I had to stop. Saving all beings, Kodo Shou, shujo, took on special meaning for me during this time at Toshoji. When we open our eyes to the reality of our lives, Okumara writes, we simply cannot help but share happiness and sadness, pleasure and pain with all beings. To be peaceful, We have to do something for other beings. We live within the Buddha's vow to save all beings. Zen master Dongshan Lanji was the founder of Chinese Soto School, who Dogen visited in the 1200s. Dongshan asked a monk, what is most painful? The monk replied, to be in hell is most painful. Dongshan said, no, it isn't. Then the monk asked, what do you think, then, is most painful? Dongshan replied, wearing the okesa, yet not having clarified the great matter, is most painful. Hell is the worst part of samsara and is considered the most agonizing. But Dongshan said, there is a more painful condition. When we wear the okesa, we are in nirvana. We are apart from samsara, and yet when we chase after something, perhaps like I chased after visiting and staying in Toshoji, even enlightenment, our practice becomes an activity within samsara. When we look for something better, through zazen, then that striving is more painful than hell. If you suffer in samsara because you don't know the Buddha's teachings, you can be saved by studying the Buddha Dharma and practicing zazen. But if you already know the Buddha Dharma, receive the precepts, as I had. Wear the okesa, as I do. Practice zazen as I love, and still chase after something. There is no way to be saved. One of the most famous sayings of Kodo Sawaki Roshi is, wear the okesa and sit in zazen. That's all. That's it. There is nothing else to search for. There's nowhere. To go. Still, we look for something valuable. Even when we sit in the Zenda, we are often hungry ghosts in samsara. And he closes and I close. Whenever we deviate from where we are now, we immediately return to what's right here, right now, by letting go. This is our Zazen. This is the meaning of wearing the okesa after reciting the verse. I don't know if there are any questions left. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, tonight okay, good. Please, if anyone has any questions.